When I finally put pen to paper and put it on a jersey that said Phillies across the front and had my name on the back, that was a super surreal feeling and, you know, something that I'll remember for the rest of my life for sure. Welcome to episode 201 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. It took Ty Penner just 10 minutes to go from wondering how he wasn't selected in this July's MLB draft to agreeing to a free agent contract with Philadelphia Phillies. The Vauxhall Academy of Baseball product admits from there, it turned into an absolute whirlwind, traveling between Alberta, his college home at UBC, and Clearwater, Florida to begin his professional baseball journey. That whirlwind turned into a literal hurricane as he had to come back home early with Hurricane Ian fast approaching. He made it back to his home province safe and sound, and while he was here, we checked in with him about his first taste of pro ball. Ty, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Joe. It's always a pleasure. Take us back to July and the MLB draft. First off, were you expecting your name to be called at any time during the course of those first three days? Yeah, so those three days were definitely a bit of a whirlwind. Um, I, going into the draft, I, I knew I had some attention from teams. I I knew that I had the chance to maybe have my name called from about four teams, I would say, maybe four or five. Um, but I had no idea if and I had no idea when, basically. So I would, they had, scouts would sort of reach out to me and had been reaching out to me over the course of the year and would, you know, talk to me and say, you were interested, maybe this, maybe this round, maybe this day. And it was just, I, <laughs> I was really in the dark going into it. Um, and then so after day one and day two had passed, we were going into day three. And that's when I knew it was probably the more likely day for me to have my name called. Um, and so all the scouts kind of from the teams that were interested called me before day three and said, yeah, hey, make sure you stay beside your phone or whatever. And so I, I did exactly that or whatever and watched the entire draft on day three. Didn't end up hearing my name called. And at the time, I hadn't even really considered a free agent signing a possibility just because I, I hadn't really thought about it. I didn't really know how that whole process worked. Um, so about 10 minutes after the draft, I just was, I thought it wasn't my year. I was ready to go back to UBC and it just is was what it was. But then literally 10 minutes, I started getting calls from pretty much all the teams that were interested to begin with. And then that it started happening really fast after that. I would ask for time to think about it and stuff, but you know, the teams don't really have a lot of time. They're signing a lot of guys at the time. So after they would give me an offer, it would be okay. Hey, you can call me back in five minutes. And so it all happened really fast. And obviously Philadelphia was one of the teams that gave me a free agent offer and went with them and the rest is history. When your name's not getting called as the rounds are going on, are you getting more and more disappointed or were you kind of trying to figure out a plan? Like walk us through the mindset pieces. You're trying to figure out what exactly is going on here. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I would say disappointed. I mean, I was, if you would have asked me, especially as a high school kid, having a chance to have my name called at the draft or even going to pro workouts and stuff was really amazing for me. And so sitting and watching the draft ticker, like I had done so many years before, but actually thinking, oh my goodness, my name could, could pop up on here or I could get the phone call was pretty amazing. And I, I just, I really wanted the opportunity. I've always really wanted the opportunity in pro ball. Um, and so any way that that was going to happen was was really exciting for me. And definitely when the draft was over, I was disappointed. Um, 
but I mean, I, I, I hadn't lost hope. I still had another year at UBC and I loved UBC. And so I was, I wasn't, dis I wasn't upset by any means. I was disappointed, but, but like I said, it was just really cool for me, honestly, to be able to have that experience. And then when the phone started ringing afterwards, that was quite the roller coaster of emotions. That was a pretty sweet feeling. Well, I can only imagine too that you don't really have that. I'll call it a mourning process, right? Like you, after the draft's done, most kids are like, okay, well, what the heck happened? Whereas, like you said, ten minutes yeah. later, your phone's going wild. So, talk about an emotional roller coaster yeah. as you're going through that whole process. What was it about Philadelphia that made you go, maybe this is the team I want to head to? Um, I mean, you know, I, I wish I could tell you I had a ton of. Uh, um, like leeway and ideas about what the, each organization was about and, you know, a bunch of factors that would help uh, my decision be a little bit easier. But honestly, Philadelphia, the scout that I had was amazing. His name was Dave Dangler. Since the first time he ever saw me, he was always the guy that I would communicate with. He was just awesome. He was a really just good guy to talk to about baseball. He wouldn't like it wouldn't feel like the conversations we had were forced or anything. It was just, he was just a really good guy. And I could always tell that he was looking out for me. And then Philadelphia gave me a great offer. Um, I, you know, Les McTavish works for the organization. Mm. And, and so that was an, another little connection that I sort of had. I didn't get the chance to work with Les much through the whole process, obviously for, for whatever reasons, bias reasons and stuff. So that was also really intriguing having less work for that organization. Obviously, you know, Les coached me for a long time and mm. I, and I have loved him as a coach. So that was a pretty cool connection to have as well. And then, you know what, at the end of the day was, I had a few different offers and Philadelphia was one of the better ones too. And so that kind of helped my decision as well. So once the phone kind of cools off for a second and you've figured out, okay, it's Philly, what's going through your mind? Are you thinking, I got to call somebody? I got to call my folks. I got to call like what, what's going through your mind as you're finally able to, to rest maybe, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was like I said, it was sort of crazy because after the draft ticker ended, I was just kind of whatever, sitting there in my own thoughts. And my, my parents were home at the time. I was actually home in Alberta for a couple of days. And, but then after the draft, my parents went back to work and my brothers all left. And it was, I, we thought it was over. And then when I started getting those calls, it was like, oh my goodness, first of all, I need to call my and tell them to come back here so I can <laughs> figure out this whole decision. And, what I'm going to do and everything. So that, that happened really fast. And, um, but yeah, that was the first call I made was to both my parents to get them to come home so I could chat about it with them. And then when the dust settled and I finally agreed, you know, with the with the Phillies on a deal, that was just to be able to sit there for a second was nice. But like I said, after that, the process gets going so fast. It was like, okay, when can we fly you out? My phone started blowing up, as you said, um, family and friends started coming over. So it happened pretty quick. I didn't have a ton of time just to let it sink in, but, but it was a pretty, it was a really good feeling just with me and my parents there for sure. We kind of joked about it off air and it was about your cell phone. Like how long did it take for that thing to die because of all the notifications, the emails, the text messages, everything? Because once that news becomes official, I assume there was no holding back. Like that phone probably just stayed vibrating the whole day. Yeah, seriously, I was getting I I was getting texts and phone calls from people for a couple days that I, you know, good friends and close friends and some people that I had just kind of passed along the way in my baseball career and it was it was crazy. My phone had never seen that many text messages before in its life, that's for sure. And like I was joking with you, I don't know if it was the phone's old age or if it was partly the text messages, but I had to upgrade it a few weeks later cuz 
my phone was having some problems after that. So <laughs> that was really cool. Um, never expected anything like that to have that many text messages in a day and sorting through all those and the Instagram DMs and all the other platforms where people can reach out to you nowadays was, was a, probably a week long process. So <laughs> Fantastic. I, I got it. And obviously you probably had to upgrade the phone as well, because I can only imagine you mentioned you go from one whirlwind of a draft to the whirlwind of being uh, a free agent signing to the whirlwind of, Oh, you've got to now go down to Florida and get everything figured out. Bags packed, flights figured out, all that kind of thing. What was that whole experience like just trying to make sure that you could actually take that next step? Yeah. I don't even know how to explain it to you other than it was just uh, absolute whirlwind. I was just trying to figure it out as I went. I would get my scout would call me and say, okay, there's this flight. You're leaving at six in the morning from here, landing at this time. And at the time, like I said, I was heading back to Vancouver to get my stuff. I had to move out of my house sort of in a, in about a six or eight hour period. Cause I wasn't going to be back. So I wasn't going to be paying rent with rent with my roommates again. And, and then, like you said, I was down to Florida and the first few days, it's just like we were, I, I remember I landed in Florida at about 1130 at night and we had some sort of physical testing or range of motion testing at like 530 in the morning the next day. And the shuttle was showing up at the hotel at five and I was just like, okay, I'm just going <laughs> to roll into this and, and hope for the best. Right. Like I, <laughs> I remember actually less saying to me before I went down there, he goes, try not to go in tired. Like try to get the best flight you can or whatever and don't kill yourself if you need an extra day and i was like well i <laughs> to be honest less i don't have much of a choice here <laughs> so i went in probably a little bit tired but it all worked out the first couple of days weren't too bad because they're, they're doing all this testing and stuff and you can't actually really do any sort of practicing with the team or baseball related activity until mm -hmm. you sign the paper and clear all the medical stuff so at least that was nice but it was just happening a million miles an hour the whole time how surreal was it when you got to actually put pen to paper and sign that deal officially and kind of, you know, put the check mark beside that next step? Yeah, certainly surreal. Like I said earlier, if you would have told me that when I was a grade 11 at Vauxhall Academy or even a freshman at UBC, I would have obviously wanted to believe you, but I don't know if every bone in my body really would have. Um, but when I finally put pen to paper and put on a jersey that said Phillies across the front and had my name on the back, that was that was a super surreal feeling and, you know, something that I'll remember for, for the rest of my life for sure. Mm -hmm. So you end up in Clearwater. You got into a few games as well. What was that experience like getting to step foot on a on a pro field and, and get the, that ball rolling? Yeah, yeah. No, that was that was really cool too and, and a little bit different. So it was after the draft, there's lots of guys are in different places with baseball, right? Some guys have been playing summer ball. Some guys hadn't. I had played some summer ball, but then leading up to the draft had went home for a little bit. So I hadn't played in, I don't know, probably 14 days or so. And then getting thrown into pro ball was, it was great. It was awesome, but it was, it had its kinks for sure too. I was playing with obviously lots of players from the Dominican Republic and Venezuela. And so even trying to communicate with them on the field, um, I remember looking at my, I was playing third base and I was looking at my shortstop trying to get him to take a couple steps to the left. <laughs> and it, and I just, I, it was just like, I couldn't, I didn't at the time, didn't have enough Spanish in me to, to let him know. And so it was, it was definitely difficult and, but it was awesome. It was so, that was so fun to be honest, to just step on a pro field like that and, and really just play everybody at that level. They really just let us play for the first little bit. 
we just figured it out and everybody's so talented that it, the game happens quick. But um, yeah, I was <laughs> for not seeing pitching in 14 days and then getting in the box and then it seemed like every guy was throwing 95 and 95 probably felt like a hundred to me at the time. So it was, uh, it was eye opening, but it was awesome and everything I expected it to be at the same time. So August 15th against the blue Jays, bottom of the fifth, two, two count first pro home run. What was that like? Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was a weird home run for me, though, to be honest with you. I I don't know. In my career, I probably haven't hit very many home runs to the left side of the field. I can't remember it. I know I have a few times, but it doesn't happen often, to be mm-hmm. honest. Lots of my power is to center field and to right center, starting to kind of work on getting it the other way. But, um, yeah, 2-2 two, two count. I was really just trying to put the ball in play, to be honest. The guy was um, a big right-hander. kind of. He was pretty fastball heavy, so I thought I might get a fastball, even though it was a 2-2 count but was I was really like I said just trying to put the ball and play hard up the middle somewhere kind of got a high and away pitch and just put my barrel up to it and luckily he was throwing kind of hard and when he, he they're throwing harder it leaves the bat a little harder and I hit this little I to be honest also thought it was a fly out and then I saw the guy carrying back and back and back and then he finally ran into the wall and it was over the fence so <laughs> it wasn't one of the most no doubter home runs i've ever hit that's for sure but it was probably one of the coolest and having it be opposite field was also really cool for me like i said i don't do that often so mm. on the flip side of that what was maybe one of the biggest obstacles or the learning curves that you had to overcome when you were down there yeah no um especially when it came to playing and hitting um i think for me especially as a guy who came from an NAIA school where I'm not wasn't totally used to guys you know throwing mid 90s all the time you would see the occasional guy here and there and you would definitely see good arms in regional tournaments and and all that stuff but be, seeing that every single every single day was definitely an adjustment for me and having to stay on the fastball so much I was so used to you know getting pitched backwards by the time I was done at UBC everybody I would see so much off speed it would be almost a miracle if I saw a fastball in an at bat and now having to adjust back to guys throwing firm where if you are sitting anything other than the fastball, you don't have a chance. And so it was it was good. I had coaches that would obviously help me out and just say, look, stay on the fastball and then you can adjust to the other stuff. But if you try and look the other way, once you're in pro ball, it's you're not going to have too much success. So that was a bit of an adjustment for me. But um, by the end of it, I definitely felt a lot more comfortable. How much of that experience boils down to the obvious physical stuff and how much of it is trying to be a sponge and learn from all of the people that you're encountering over your time down there? Yeah, I think especially in this first year when, you know, lots of us guys that were just drafted or signed are just dipping our toe into it. Um, lots of it is, I, at least for me, I was trying to be as much of a sponge as I possibly could. You're working with some really, really good baseball minds and, you know, I've had great coaches my entire life growing up and now it's just you I have great coaches in like twice the amount of them all the time so it was I was definitely trying to soak up as much as I could especially at instructional league when I was playing in rookie ball it was kind of just play and you're not going to get a ton of instruction at the time because we're not trying to you know reinvent the wheel when you're in competition like that but once I got down to instructional league that was a really really cool experience you know at, at times there's a lot of individual work so say you're I was taking ground balls at third base it would literally just be me and four or five coaches watching me and trying to help me out on little stuff that you almost don't even think about if you're just taking ground balls before a game or something but um, stuff that can definitely make a difference and help you out in the long run so that, that was a pretty cool experience for me and 
definitely having all the people down there to be able to soak up that information from is is a pretty cool experience. Any star-studded moments or times where you kind of had to pinch yourself a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to... <laughs> the first time where I actually played in the big spring training park at Baycare was pretty cool. Um, just imagining like when I was walking underground through all the facilities and then finally got to go through the Philly spring training clubhouse where, you know, I can imagine Bryce Harper was or Real Muto or Reese Hoskins and all that stuff and realizing that, whoa, these guys are actually especially going to be here in the spring. I think that's when I'll really have some pinch me moments when I'm walking around the spring training complex in March or whatever it is and <laughs> realizing that Bryce Harper is swinging in the cage just over there or something like that. But, you know, for now it wasn't, I was, to be honest with you, everything was happening so fast. I don't really think I ever stopped to soak it in as much as I would have liked to. And then I maybe regret that a little bit now, but when I'm down there for spring training in, in February and March, I'll definitely, uh, stop to pinch myself a few times i'm sure mm -hmm. so now you've got a, a little bit i'll call it downtime but i'm sure there's never really any downtime at this point so what's <laughs> been the the focus what are the instructions that you've been given that you have to to kind of get yourself ready so that you are good to go heading into february and march yeah like i said it was a little bit weird because instructionally got cut 10 or 12 days short because the hurricane was supposed to come hit us so we got flown out before we were able to have our exit meetings and before we were able to kind of you know, finish up things that we had been working on. Um, but I'm, we're supposed to have some sort of meeting in the near future here, but, and I'll be back down to Florida before spring training, I would imagine. But for sure, one of the things for me is I played a lot of first base in college and it it's, seems like they're going to try and see if it will work for me over at third base. And so I'm going to be, that's all I played kind of when I was down there and that's all I was doing at instructional league. And so that's a bit of a new position for me to learn, although I feel pretty comfortable over there. But um, that's definitely something. And then other than that, you know, it's the off season is a time where you can definitely separate yourself and you, you don't want to lose a step at all. So I I'd definitely be in the weight room and uh, try to put on a few pounds. So maybe fly balls turn into home runs and, uh, you know, <laughs> just go from there. So when you think about that transition, did it scare you at first or was it something where you're like, I'll do whatever it takes to get me up the, the chain of command here? Yeah. You know, more than anything, I don't think it scared me. I think it really excited me. And like you said, I really trying to do anything I can to get up the chain of command is, is, is absolutely it. And if the further I can move away from first base, honestly, I've, I've always felt like I can play other positions other than first base at UBC. It just kind of worked out that way. But even in the outfield, if you know, I want to be able to play, every position in any position at any time that makes you that much more valuable to an organization and makes you that much easier to put into the lineup when the manager goes to make the lineup every day. So I don't think it scares me. Um, maybe when a big right-hander comes up and I'm infield in or something like that, then my heart starts pounding a bit, but definitely the opportunity to, and have them trust me over there or trust me enough to work me out over there is, you know, definitely excites me, I think more than anything. Do you have any personal expectations or maybe goals that you want to achieve heading into next year? Things that you want to, maybe a level that you want to get to within the organization or, or that kind of thing. Do you have any of those sort of in your, on your radar? Yeah, I would definitely um, like to break spring training with a, uh, with a, uh, like a full year affiliate team, whether that ends up being, you know, low A or high A or whatever it is. I want to be with a full year team for sure. Um, and then after that, I, you know, if you perform, you'll move up the chain. That's that's kind of how it works, obviously. So after that, I'd be pretty comfortable with just going out there and playing my game. And I think that's all you can do at that point. That's all you can really ask for. So, 
in the meantime, how closely are you going to be watching the Phillies in the postseason? <laughs> yeah, no, I'll definitely be watching them pretty closely. It's pretty cool that they, they clinched just last night after, what was it, I think 10 years not being in the postseason. So it definitely is a, It's pretty cool watching them now, um, being a member of the organization. I was a Red Sox fan growing up my whole life, so maybe that'll have to change now that the Red Sox didn't have the greatest <laughs> year especially. But, but yeah, it's definitely I watch the Phillies with a much closer eye now than I ever used to. Mm-hmm. When you think back on the last couple of years, I mean, you had COVID, which shut down ball for you for quite a while. Last time you and I chatted, we were talking about let, trying to get back into the swing of things after a break. Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, the, you helped the Bulls win the WCBL championship in 2021. You have some success at UBC, and then it makes enough of an impression with the Phillies. You signed the contract, and you're taking that next step. What's that all mean to you when, when you think back on, on all that's happened over the last couple of years? Yeah, that's... You know, and I've, I've spent some time kind of thinking back on the last couple of years in the last little bit here, and it's it's really crazy for me to think about. Um, it, it makes me proud, to be honest with you, just especially like our whole team with that UBC from us being ended in the middle of the year in my sophomore year, and I guess that was 2020 would have been, and then not playing a single game for, I don't know, it was probably 600 days, two years almost, just under two years maybe it was, so... And we were really the only, obviously, other Canadian college teams, but being in an American conference and watching our whole conference play and not being able to be a part of that was was tough. And, you know, long days for us, too, just playing against each other. And sometimes we weren't even allowed to do that. We were wearing masks every day when we were swinging in the cages. And, you know, it was a long few years. But at the end of the, like, when I really look back on it, I'm, I'm pretty thankful for it in, in some ways. I... Went into COVID probably being six foot four, 185 pounds, and came out six foot four, 220 pounds, way stronger. And I needed that time, and I don't know if I would have gotten that time to, you know, kind of transform my body if if COVID hadn't happened. And and then after that, our whole team, we had some time to really dive into some things about our swings and metrics that, you know, it's hard at the time because you don't know if it's actually going to pay off in a game when you have no when you have no opportunity to go show that. But once we did get the chance and, you know, it ended up working out, obviously, and I was lucky enough to have a pretty good year at UBC, um, then that was a a really, really good feeling after having two years off and just having to kind of work on your game without competition. So Mm -hmm. it's really surreal when I look back on it, to be honest with you. I would have never imagined my university career to go that way, and I'm just thankful that it's gotten me to where, where it did. I had the chance to chat with uh, Gavin Logan after he was drafted, as well as Matt Kootenay after he was drafted, and they both kind of got that that hero's reception when they went back home or had those moments where they were able, able to go back home. Have you been able to enjoy some of those moments and maybe be able to revel a little bit and be in the, the hometown hero, so to speak? Yeah, I had I had a little bit of time right, be- right after I got drafted, right before I flew back to Vancouver and then down to Florida. I had one day, and... The the Bulls kind of called me and did a nice thing for me, and I uh, I got to throw the first pitch of that game, and a bunch of newscasts and news teams were out interviewing me beforehand and everything. So that was a whirlwind, and I I definitely felt like a celebrity for a for a good solid day there, and that was a really cool feeling walking out onto the Bulls field again to to throw the first pitch and having you know people cheer me on and whatever when I wasn't even in the uniform. So. I definitely did get that feeling a little bit and being from Lethbridge and growing up in Lethbridge, obviously knowing all the entire baseball community of Lethbridge really 
um, and having that sort of welcome was, was pretty cool. So I'm glad that I got to do that before I, before I headed down. How cool is it to think about that? If you can see it, you can be it sort of thing. And, and I've been a big believer in that is, hey, you're a Lethbridge kid that managed to catch the eye of a professional organization and sign a contract there. Being able to be in front of those cameras or in front of that crowd, throwing out that first pitch and getting that, you know, your name announced on the on the, the PA system, that kind of thing. Like, has that part sunk in that, hey, you might be inspiring a kid that could become the next Ty Penner, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool thing to think about. And I don't even know if I fully wrap my head around it, but I've definitely thought about that. And I, I, I look at myself like a growing up in Lethbridge and watching the Bulls player, watching the Vauxhall Academy guys play even before I went there and looking up to them like they were superheroes and then being in those shoes and living both of those lives and, and realizing, Hey, like <laughs> I'm doing the same thing that they were. And, you know, I still, whatever, put my pants on one leg at a time, you know, as the saying goes. And then especially now being like, I used to look up to guys around the Lethbridge community too. Like I would, I would look at like Landon Barassa who was playing university ball with San Francisco or guys like even that I would play American Legion ball with like Jack McDonald and all sorts of guys that I was just, just in awe of, to be honest with you. And now realizing when I would like was walking out to the mound that day and having kids come up to me afterwards and, you know, ask for a picture or an autograph was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And it, it means a lot to me because I was, I was seriously that exact same kid and to have them maybe look at me and say, yeah, you know what, this, this could happen or this is possible is, is pretty cool because I was in the, if they, I would be lying if I said, I always thought it was possible, but being where I am now, it, it absolutely is. So I was, that's a pretty cool feeling and I hope kids can kind of draw some inspiration from it. So. It's been about a year last time you and I chatted, and I'm curious if your answer to this question is going to change from the first time I asked it. <laughs> if you get to go back to Vauxhall or if you get to be that, that motivational speaker in the Bulls dugout for a, for a game or whatever, and they're looking for those words of encouragement or advice, now that you've kind of taken that step and been able to kind of soak it all in, what kinds of advice or words of wisdom would you pass on to that next generation looking to uh, follow in your footsteps? Yeah, the biggest thing that I would say to any team that I was sort of speaking to or anything is that when you're playing baseball, all things aside, first thing you got to do is you got to have fun. And if you're having fun, it's going to be that much easier to show up every day. It's going to be that much easier to want to put the work in. And it's, you're, you know, if you fall in love with the game, it makes it that much easier. So that would be the first thing that I would say. And then the second thing that I would say is, you know, play the game away, do what you can and you know, at the end of the day, believe in what you, I guess it sounds cliche when I say it, but I wish that like when people used to say that to me, I would have believed it a little bit more before it actually started to happen. And it, like, it really can happen and you never know when it might or who it might happen to. I wasn't the most talented kid <laughs> growing up in baseball. Like, I mean, I was, I was, I was a pretty decent player, but I never made the team Alberta's. I never played junior national team. I didn't do any of that stuff. So you never know when it might happen and when something might click for you, especially in baseball. So I would certainly tell them to, you know, stay engaged and not give up in that, in that regard. Absolutely. Final question for you here, Ty. Last time we asked you what the game of baseball means to you. So maybe a little bit of a different take on the same kind of question. What does it mean to you to be an Albertan who can call himself a professional baseball player and to continue pursuing the dream? Yeah. You know what? It, it means the world to me to be, and, Coming out of Alberta, you know, <laughs> the guys down there barely even know what Alberta is. They barely know what Canada is. 
and then so being able to go down there and say hey i'm this i'm a kid from uh you know a medium-sized town in alberta and now i'm where i am is is a really cool feeling and it, it means the world to me i'm super proud to be from alberta super proud to be from lethbridge and proud to just be canadian in general um so it it means the world to me to be able to go around and wear alberta across my chest especially in the world of baseball because you know and like you obviously know doing all the work you do with alberta it, it does have a pretty rich history of baseball and to be a part of that legacy in some sort of way is is unbelievable for me to think about now and it's something that i'll have with me the rest of my life so it means a lot that is uh, so great to hear, Ty. So great to hear the success you've had to this point and really wish you the continued success going forward for sure. Great to catch up with you again. Congrats on signing with the Phillies and here's hoping we get to hear more of your name in the, in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. Thanks again for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks again, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Ty Penner for joining us this week, and thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. If you haven't already, leave us a rating and review on your podcast app to help spread the word about us. A tip of the cap as well to our Platinum supporters for all they do for us and for baseball in Alberta. The generosity shown by the Okotoks Dogs and AHP Academy is truly humbling, and we appreciate what they do in helping us cover costs like web hosting fees and editing software. Head to our website to learn more about our fantastic teammates. Until next time, thank you for all your support online, on social, and on air of Alberta Dugout Stories.